Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Is Dublin an unsafe city to live in and visit? The Thornishta expresses concerns after an attack on an American tourist. And the Gardaí promise extra resources on the streets. Broadly speaking, um, Dublin City is safe, but there are, at times, people are concerned. And people are concerned about particular areas that they will not traverse at night. And I'm here in Dublin City at City Hall, where I will be speaking to the new Lord Mayor about antisocial behaviour in our capital and the plans to tackle it. Also, X marks the spot. Elon Musk rebrands Twitter as the Bluebird logo is killed off. You can join our conversation online with your tweets or X's. Our hashtag is TonightVMTV. tonight with the controversy that has been talked about for a long time but ratcheted up over the last five days. Is our capital city safe? Tonight, as a US tourist still remains ill in hospital following an attack on Talbot Street, Gardaí have said that they will act. They've pledged to add dozens of police officers for Dublin to increase the visibility of Gardaí. Well, let's go live now to Dublin City Hall and Kira Doherty is there. Kira. Thanks, Claire. Yes, as you said, I am at the heart of the capital here at City Hall and I am joined this evening by the new Lord Mayor, Councillor Dahid Roshja. Councillor, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. As Claire mentioned there, there was a meeting today of the Joint Policing Committee and assurances given, particularly from the Assistant Commissioner. What were the takeaways from that meeting and what was the tone? And the tone was very understated, very muted. I think everybody realises that we do have a big issue here in Dublin City. I suppose discussing at, at the meeting today, the Commissioner reiterated that, she, that we are down on numbers in Dublin City. She spoke about the idea that, you know, at the moment in the inner city there's 24 less guards here tonight than there was in January. And she spoke about a commitment to, for new Gardaí coming into the city. There's 48 new guards coming out on stream, of which she said 21 are going to be based directly in the inner city. Did that reassure you, the idea that there will be an extra 21 Guardi, an extra 21 boots on the ground here in our capital? So there's cautious optimism. I mean, 48 guards coming in, 21 directly in the inner city, it is important. High visibility is so important, and the Commissioner acknowledged that today when she spoke about high visibility policing, how it, brings, it gives that element of safety to people within the city, and she does hope that those new guards coming on stream will further the opportunity for high visibility policing in the city. And yet, after the attack on that American tourist in Talbot Street, just a couple of minutes from here, we did see increased visibility, as we often do after attacks like this in the city. And yet we have Gareth McNamee, a journalist of the Irish Daily Mail, reporting on Twitter this evening that there was another assault of a woman in her 30s in Temple Bar and a second assault this evening, just hours later, on the Keys. So 
Is that high visibility going to make a difference? It's the only way that we're going to solve the issues in the city. We're coming out of a decade of under-policing in our capital city and we need more guards on the street, we need high visibility policing because that's the only thing that solves this problem. At the moment, we're operating at 11% lower than other European cities across the city per head of population. We're also, as I've already said, we're experiencing less guardy in the city at the moment. So I would hope that more guards on streets would help that. We're never going to eradicate every, every assault. There's, there's, we're never going to eradicate crime. But what you do when you have guardy on the street, you lessen that opportunistic crime. You lessen the randomness. You less, lessen those random assaults. So it's so, so important that we do get more guards out into the street in Dublin. And yet the Assistant Commissioner also made the point that the guardy cannot police their way out of this situation. It's Abs going to take more than that, she said. Absolutely. And in the short term, we are looking at more guardy. We are looking at high visibility police and we're going to have a meeting with the Minister for Justice. And in the long term, to acknowledge what the Assistant Commissioner did say today, about 12 years ago there was a programme called A Better City for All. Uh, it was a document to tackle anti-social behaviour and drug intimidation and um, across the city. That worked for a couple of years and it kind of fell out. So the Commissioner proposed to the committee today a rejuvenation of A Better City for All. So I welcome that, but we will be watching it cautiously in the coming weeks to make sure that it's adequately um, resourced in order that that can deliver. How do we ensure that we don't have this sort of knee-jerk response to what's been happening over the last couple of days? How do we ensure that there's a permanent change so that locals, businesses and tourists really do feel safe in our capital? Well, that's it. So we need to keep banging this drum and we need to keep raising it. So as Lord Mayor of the City throughout my tenure, I'm going to be committed to raising this. I know other stakeholder groups are really, really on top of this as well because this cyclical approach of blowing up after an incident, all the resource and then it tails away and all that, that can't go on any longer. It hasn't worked for the past decade or so. It's not going to work for the next decade. So this time it must be different. An extra 21 Gardaí on the beat in Dublin. Is that anywhere near sufficient? No way. Absolutely no way it's not. It's a start. You know, it does get us out. But what we need, again, as I said, Dublin City has been under-resourced for Gardaí for over a decade. It to was you, going... that's, that's it in a nutshell. That is the issue. Yeah, it's boots it is. on the ground here, is boots it? Boots on the ground. And we've seen that, like, up into 20, uh, 2018, things were starting to move. Two, two years of shutting down Temple more and that's really hampered uh, the amount of guardian in the capital city. Without boots on the ground, the long-term strategies don't work. All right, we'll leave it there. Lord Mayor, thank you for speaking to us this evening. Back to you in studio, Claire. Kira, thank you for that. And we will be returning to Kira later on in the programme. But let's bring in my panel. I'm joined by Minister of State Jack Chambers, Labour TD Duncan Smith, criminologist Trina O'Connor, and former governor of Mountjoy Prison, John Lonergan. You're all very welcome along to the programme. Um, Trina, I want to come to you first. Uh, safety and policing under the microscope in recent days. But as we said at the start of the programme, you know, it's always really been an issue. But many people now asking what has become of our capital city. Do you believe there's a new uneasiness to the city? And do you believe it's safe? No, I don't believe it's safe. And I think when people hear people in power saying it's safe, they almost feel like they're being gaslit because people living in these communities do not feel safe. And they've been saying they've been suffering intimidation, drugs-related intimidation for a number of years. In, I think it was 2018, we had the Mulvey process, went in there, managed by the Taoiseach's office. I think it's 30 plus million has been put into that area in the NEIC. Um, 
we were promised at the time, and I was part of that process, that Gardaí small area policing would continue, community Garda would continue, building relationships with young people would continue. And to see what's happened when I go into the city centre now, it's shocking. Um, and I don't feel safe and I'm, I'm a Dubliner. And I think too, what we need to acknowledge and accept is that some of these no-go areas are intentionally made no-go by these organised crime gangs and by young people so that they can carry out their criminal activity. Okay, are you and talking I, about placing the heart of the city? Like, absolutely. are you talking about Talbot Street being a no-go area? Absolutely. It, and, and that these areas and areas like Talbot Street are controlled by gangs? Uh, yeah, and intentionally so, so that they can carry out their criminal behaviour. I mean, I wouldn't walk down Talbot Street, would you? I mean, years ago, I would have no problem, but certainly not at night. And most people who live in that area stay away from them places and all of the lanes, because we had Operation Tara, we had op Operation Spire, and that moved all the drug dealing away from the main O'Connell Street and the main roads. And now what we have is we have it going on in lanes and the side roads off our main thoroughfares. Yeah, Jack Chambers, to put that question to you, would you walk down Talbot Street at night? Well, I'll just say that, uh, as Trina said, many people uh, don't feel safe uh, in our city and we need to acknowledge that. But um, would you, but would you? Would you walk are, down Talbot Street alone at night? There are there are parts of Dublin City that I wouldn't walk down. I wouldn't advise anyone to walk down. I think really, there, there is. You're there, saying you're saying that now. There, there is uh, that sense of fear that, amongst that, people. that there are no go areas I, in particular streets you would not walk down there, there alone is a, at night. There is a sense of fear amongst people, and I think anyone who who uh, who's in Dublin City um, at night is certainly. Uh, taking extra precautions and there is that sense of fear. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny people's real lived experience uh, in Dublin City. And I think, um, you know, we have seen concerning levels of intimidation um, rise in, in assaults in many instances. Um, and that's why there is a need that, to have a, and people should feel confident walking uh, and going about their business. Surely the they should. So it may surprise people to hear you saying that. Like we had um, the Justice Minister Helen McEntee walking around the area flanked by Gardaí. Like, would you feel, like, is, that, is that the only way you'd feel comfortable walking down somewhere around Store I, Street and Talbot Street at night? I, I, I'm regularly in around uh, Dublin City and I'm, 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 and I go about, you know, I, I, go, I walk through the city, but I'm, I'm saying is there are parts of the city that there is that sense of fear and people uh, don't feel safe. And I'm saying that the response, the political response and the Garda response has, be, has mm -hmm. to be, as uh, the mayor has said, to strengthen visibility. And I welcome uh, the input from the assistant commissioner that dozens of additional Garda are going to be deployed. We do need to see a coherent, strong response that improves visibility within our city uh, and to, to address the real fear that people have and that people are articulating. And I'm not going to deny the real lived experience of people and their sense uh, of, of fear within our city. Itself. Do you think there's been a change? Do you think there are new, er, like no-go areas, as you'd call them, that maybe a couple of years ago you didn't feel that way? I think you... it's got certainly it's it's gotten worse. And um, why do you think and that? I, and that I think is? well, part of it is visibility, um, and part of it as well is the um, the. I think we have a wider issue uh, which has gotten worse, which is the level of say uh, intimidation related to drugs and the manifestation of of a wider drug problem that we have. Um, that's within our city centre and I think um, that's uh, evident to anybody that's walking about the city every day. Issue of visibility, Duncan, would you agree with that? We heard uh, Micheál Martin insisting that, you know, broadly speaking, Dublin city centre was safe, but at times people were concerned about particular areas. 
look, visibility is an issue and the numbers back it up. I mean, we, we are down and every single guard grade all over the country, but particularly in Dublin, uh, on 2020 figures, on 2019 figures, we're down on community guards. Store Street itself uh, is down on guards compared to 2020. So people know that and people see that on the street. They see that there's a lack of visibility. So we do need to get more guards on the street. Um, I, I, I do have a concern with this word of no-go, a uh, phrase of no-go areas just kind of seeping in. I mean, Talbot Street is the place where my bus lets off when I'm coming in from 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 Swords, uh, um, and it's an, an awful lot of buses on the north east and the north of the city let off there. You know, we can't allow these areas to be labelled and named no. Well, it's areas. also right in the to, heart of our city. It's right, absolutely, absolutely. But very no close, area should be a no. Very close area. to Connolly Station, right be, off the main thoroughfare of Connolly Street. Street. And besides Store so Street, so hard to believe that that an area in a street like that would be considered that way it, and can be considered that way in a modern day capital. It is, which is why we need to push it, push it back because these are central thoroughfares within our city that people use and have to use and workers have to use and families have to use in terms of getting their main buses and, and to that's and why we need Gardaí on, on every corner of all of these areas. That street is where that man was assaulted yeah. around the corner from Store Street and if you saw the video there was buses pulling in, mm. there was people passing by, it, it, it was unsafe for that man even though it was only just after 10 o'clock at night. So to me I wouldn't be advising my sisters or, or any of my friends to go into that area at that hour and night. So to me, it is being controlled by a small group of young people. And the Gardaí were aware of who they are. Mm. Uh, John Lonergan, to bring you in here, former governor of Mount Joy, over 40 years in the prison service. I'm very familiar um, with, you know, a knowledge of Dublin. And uh, I mean, what do you what do you think is happening here? Um, why is all of this in the spotlight now? Is it down to guard the resources? Is something else changing in the heart of our city? Uh, fundamentally, it's down to neglect. Uh, I can, being an older person, I can verify and, and, and I experienced the Bugsy Malones in the mid-1970s. That's nearly 50 years ago. Fianna Fáil, the famous or infamous manifesto of 1977, Jack Lynch, um, one of their commitments was to remove the Bugsy Malones off the streets of Dublin. Now, where did the Bugsy Malones reside? in the north inner city, particularly around um, Sean McDermott Street. They were waiting at traffic lights and when people pulled up, their windscreens were broken or their side windows are broken and handbags snatched and all that type of stuff. 50 years ago, the Tony Gregory deal in 1982, uh, lambasted by the public and by the media for, for demanding resources to protect and to develop a community where he lived in, in the north inner city. That situation has got worse over the years rather than better. And I, I think it's very important to distinguish between young boys, and they're mainly young boys, who are a trace, who are violent and aggressive and intimidating, and ordinary, what I would call, in inverted commas, ordinary drug use, users who are a nuisance and who are, is unsightly and there's a whole lot of issues about them and they might even rob you. But very few of them will seriously assault you. And they're, they're, these younger boys, and many of them are 14, 15, 16, they're being groomed almost by older criminals and they're in a, a situation where they have no respect for anybody and there are no consequences for their behaviour. I said here about three or four weeks ago in, in regarding to new legislation to, to emphasize more uh, punishment for when, when Gardaí are attacked. And I made the point that it doesn't matter who they are, 
every single assault on a human being must be responded to in the same way. And young people who commit violent acts against human beings for no reason, uh, and there are no reasons for it, must suffer the consequences. They're going into the children's court, just to finish off, they're going regularly into the children's court with a smirk on their face, and they're coming out with a double smirk on their face. There has to be consequences, and they have to pay a penalty. And assaulting people is very, very serious. And end of story. And we need to determine that. And visibility on the streets is useful. A whole lot of other activities are useful. But at the end of the day, young people have to experience consequences for vicious behaviour. And that's what assaults are, vicious behaviour. Would you agree with that, Jack Chambers, that really, if there are no consequences, it doesn't matter how many Gardaí you have on the corner of how many streets, there, there, there's going to be a total you know, lack of intimidation. They're not, there's going to be no deterrent there for people to carry out crimes if they know even if they're caught, they won't face the consequences. No, there, there should be deterrent and there should be consequences for the... the but what John, but what, and, and I, what, what I, I John is saying to what, and is, I, is I, there doesn't appear for these well, people who are cl well, there, clear, clearly not be, in any fear well, we, that there are any consequences well, for them. Well, there has to be consequences and uh, there have, people have to be brought to justice regardless of their age when it comes... If they assault someone, as, as what happened last week, or even indeed two assaults today, of course there has to be consequences uh, through our court system. Is there something going wrong? Well, there, I mean, there's obviously wider underlying issues, and John has spoken to that, um, that, that I'm uh, absolutely sincere about addressing in, in, in the inner city when it comes to um, you know, inv inv investing in, in areas and communities, and, and that's something the government takes very seriously. But there absolutely should be consequences for anyone who assaults uh, another human being, and, and, and they need to know and understand that at a very early age. Um, Duncan, on that, I suppose it's like, and we will talk about it more um, later on in the programme, but, you know, Drew Harris has also promised that, you know, the Dublin region will receive a continued flow from Gartha Colleges in the months ahead, that we're going to have some 48 officers, you know, coming new recruits on the beat in the next fortnight. But you would wonder, is this a very short-term fix here for a broader problem? And one point being that if you don't tackle it at the, the, the law and order and you don't tackle it within the justice system, that you're not going to see a safer city. Uh, yeah, look, on, on the first point of your question, uh, the last three intakes of Temple Moor, in which the target has been 200 recruits, in November uh, uh, last year, it was 92. In February of this year, it was 130. And May of this year, 154. So they're at 60% intake compared to their target. So, uh, and that's with many more retiring out of the guards uh, than are coming through. So there's a massive lag. So this promise from the commissioner that we'd have more boots on the ground and 21 boots on the inner city, 48 in Dublin, will be welcome. But it really is a drop in the ocean in terms of what's required. Uh, on, the, on the law and order piece, we do have this massive problem where young uh, people engaging in criminality, uh, they, their, their charge sheets and their charges become a role of honour for them rather than a role of dishonour, which they thumb in the nose of the rest of their community. And that's something that we need to uh, need to tackle uh, head on. And the resources need to be put behind the punishment as well as the actual tackling it on, on the streets. OK, we're going to take a quick break now. But coming up, uh, we talk to businesses about how antisocial behaviour affects them. So do stay with us. big conversation tonight is Dublin City Safe. Let's go back to Kira in Dublin City Hall where she's speaking to city centre businesses. Kira. 
Thanks, Claire. Yes, as you said, I am here live in Dublin City, in front of City Hall, Temple Bar, right behind me, right in the heart of the capital. And I'm joined by uh, Richard Guiney, the CEO of Dublin Town, and by Kieran Hogan, the Pleasure owner here. of the Clockwork Door and Escape Room, a business here uh, in Temple Bar. I'm going to start with you first, uh, Kieran, because we heard from the Taunashta, we heard from the Justice Minister saying, essentially, despite what we have seen, Dublin is a safe city. How did that make you feel? Uh, like I've been lied to. Um, I'm on the ground every day. We're open seven days a week and we see it day in, day out that the state of the city has dramatically decreased in the last few years. And um, Just in the last year, we've had thefts three or four times of people coming into our premises, taking whatever they could unsecured at the reception area. If we're not there 24-7 the whole time we're open, someone will steal something from us, and we know that. Um, we've had other acts, we have open drug dealing right in front of our premises, we've had public urination, we've had um, a spate of different problems, and it's, it's definitely getting worse in the last year. Um, it's, it's something that, it's not a random occurrence, it's something that has a condition that has become, because of the low policing, the low convictions, and the low prostitution rates that we have here. So the antisocial behaviour that we talk about, it's a feature of daily life for a business owner in the city, you're saying? Absolutely. It's something you have to expect and you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not a case of, of if, it's always when. When something terrible will happen. Now, we've taken some steps at the clock to protect our staff. Uh, because I am actually very worried that uh, some of our staff will be involved in a, a violent incident. Um, we close up evenings, 10 o'clock p.m. We could be leaving at half 10. And uh, younger staff members that we have out in, in Dublin Temple Bar, I, I do worry for them. And so I've tried to take on as many late night shifts as I can. I do some of the closing up myself. Um, but like I said, it's a when, not an if. So we're very worried about that and it is affecting our business in, in many ways. You also had a personal experience, didn't you, recently, a family member yes. who was the victim of a random attack <clears throat> on O'Connell Street. Uh, my uncle, he was a, a very broad, well-built man. You wouldn't expect to be, be set on, but he was. Um, it was uh, in the evening and he was just coming home from a, a theatre, I think, and he was randomly attacked by a group of five. Um, they have the evidence on CCTV, but you know we don't know or we don't have confidence that there will be a prosecution, that something will be done. And it's very disheartening to both businesses and, and people personally that they feel unsafe in the city. Do you report these incidents? Do you ring the Guardi? Are you hopeful? Are you confident that something will be done if an antisocial behaviour episode happens around your premises? By, by our policy, we'll always call the Guardi to let them know, but we have no confidence that nothing will be done. And it has happened before. We had uh, some bike theft just outside our premises of our guests as they were going to go home from their bikes were gone. And uh, we were on the... Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. 
schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Phone trying to call Pierce Tooth Gala Station for 15-20 minutes with no answer. I was able to walk the entire distance there while calling them, still no answer. When we got there, there was no one at desk for another 10-15 minutes. So we tried to do go through the actions without feeling that there'll be any result. And, that's, and that's it was the same, point. wasn't it, for your uncle? I think it was his mobile phone that was taken yes. and he was hit. Yes, and he had the same feeling that there's no point in it. It's, it's not worth chasing and putting energy and effort into um, because I think a lot of people feel like the um, prosecution rate is very low. A lot of the times they do find the, the uh, responsible person but they're given a slap on the wrist or no sentence at all or, you know, they're out on the street the next day and they don't feel like they've been punished. They feel like they got away with it. And that's going to be a big issue with, um, you know, the more and more it happens, the more these people are emboldened and they, they do get away with it. Yeah, that is the sense, isn't it? That is the perception out there. Has that been an issue, do you think, uh, Richard, that perhaps we have turned a blind eye to what might be seen as sort of more minor crimes, as petty cash being taken from a business, a bike being nicked, a mobile phone being taken. Is that what businesses are seeing? Well, look, people don't feel as safe in Dublin as they should. Um, we do a lot of research and that the research tells us that people don't feel as safe as they should. Uh, and when we ask, uh, you know, how would, what would persuade you to spend more time in the city, uh, more Gardaí is the answer. So obviously, you know, you'd expect it, it'd be about things around the offer or whatever. So I do think, look, you know, we've been here before um, and we do need to address it. Uh, I think to, at today's meeting, a lot of the stuff that we've been advocating for that has worked in the past, uh, the process ar around the Better City for All, where we, we look strategically at the city and uh, coordinate our efforts, I think that's very beneficial. Um, we do need more guards in the street, um, so we're pleased that there will be more guards. But it's going to take a collective effort, um, and I think you know hard decisions will have to be made. Uh, what to, are those to, hard decisions? Well, I think we need to look at how we manage some of our social difficulties. Um, you know, it was in the best city for all 12 years ago that the very high levels of concentration of social services within the city actually facilitates uh, drug dealing, for example. Um, so we need to look at you know how we how we manage that. Um, you know, there were things in the best city for all around working with GPs for uh, that, you know, people with drug issues would be uh, catered for in their own communities where they'd have their own support networks, etc. So I think we do need to look at the, uh, you know, the holistic uh, aspect. But certainly, look, we need to improve the, the perceptions of safety and the feeling of safety in the city. And we need to have more families uh, visiting the city as well. If we don't tackle this head on, this, you would say, the reality of not feeling safe or safe for the perception of not uh, feeling safe, what will the consequences for our city be? Yeah, look, you know, the whole, the, the 
world is, is in a state of flux and things are changing very dramatically. Um, so, you know, in terms of Dublin, and uh, it's done extremely well in terms of inward investment, but we can't afford uh, to lose our reputation as a, as a friendly city where people want to come and work. Um, so I think that's really an, a really important uh, thing for us. And, you know, decisions are made now uh, as much on... Um, you know the the, the the living the the, the the type of living that somebody can have in in the city, and that's impacting on um, on decisions to invest. So I don't think we can afford not to be a friendly city. Uh, we have you know fortunately we still have that reputation, and I don't think we can afford to lose it. One of the remedies, sorry, Kieran, today was an additional 21 guards mm-hmm. being deployed to the city centre here in Dublin, and I'm sure the guards would say, look, we are doing the best we can with the resources that are being made available. Mm-hmm to us. What do you say to those two points? Um, I feel that that feels like a, a patch or a temporary uh, solution, basically, until the new cycle moves on. Um, those guards won't stay in the city over the long term. And also, what we really need is to, to those guards to feel like they can do something. Because, again, if they're catching you know, thefts or criminals um, in the act, they go and nothing happens. They're released the next day. They don't feel like it's worth the paperwork, if it's worth the time to do. So what I want to see is a long-term solution. And as the Lord Mayor mentioned, we have one of the lowest per capita rates of Gardaí in the city. We should have one of the highest. We're a very small nation relatively, so it wouldn't be difficult to do. And that has to be something that's, that's uh, rolled out over a long-term basis. And that would definitely improve the situation. All right, Kieran Hogan and Richard Gainey, thank you both for speaking to us on The Tonight Show this evening. It's back to you in studio, Claire. Kira, thank you. Well, Jack Chambers, Duncan Smith, Trina O'Connor and John Lonergan are still with us. Um, and just to come to a point that was made there by Kieran Hogan, who's operating in Dublin City Centre, and when he has reported thefts, he hasn't been able to get the Gardaí to, 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 to pick up a phone. There's been no answer from the Garda station. They've actually had to go on foot to report a crime. And then he feels that there's very little consequence or nothing really happens off the back of that. So what what are you going to do about that when we hear these announcements about 48 new recruits um, on the beat? But you, you, well, you wonder, will yeah. someone be able to answer the phone now in the next fortnight? Well, that's a, that's a matter of serious concern. Of course, his uh, concerns and the crime crimes he reports should be followed through and there should be um, that engagement with any victim or business or community representative uh, who reports crime, and there's a very clear protocols around that uh, within within Well, look, there is a there is a challenge with numbers there at the moment, and the, the figures uh, illustrate that, and that's why we I welcome the fact that there's a there's Gardaí being diverted to the city to our city centres, and the fact that we have a pipeline of new Gardaí uh, coming out of Templemore. Uh, we need to see the the deployment of those Gardaí into this places like Dublin city centre so that there is that strengthened uh, visibility and that we build confidence uh, back into our city. So it is a friendly city that people want to stay in and want to live in. Um, And I think that has to be a core uh, focus now over the coming days and weeks. Yeah, the question on whether, you know, all of this is just optics, Duncan. Mm. You know, you can get 21 Gardaí, they're new recruits, they're, they're they're not highly experienced. They can be on the street, but can they actually do anything when crime occurs? Are people you know, who they're aimed at, at protecting, do they feel do they feel protected? Yeah, like, I have an awful lot of faith in community Garda work when, when it's actually well-resourced. If you speak to an experienced community Garda and they'll tell you if there's a gang of six, seven, eight young boys mainly, there might be two 
or three who are, you know, might be the bad seeds and four who are going along. And the community guards know that because they've been in the schools, they understand they're in the community centres, they actually know the individuals involved, they know the groups. When you are under-resourced in our guard, or like we are in the city of Dublin, you can't have community guards with the time to develop that intelligence and that knowledge and break those young gangs up at that time and be able to then focus on the two or three leaders who are who are driving this crime and driving these attacks and be able to bring the consequences to them. So yeah, it is about more numbers, but it's also about intelligent policing, community policing and so, gathering the intelligence. Well, the question is so, what's happening community policing, Trina? Where do you, do you, is the model broken? I mean, <clears throat> is it in existence and properly resourced Yeah, well, in the, areas where it's needed? Well, the commissioner will tell you that every guard is a community guard and we've heard that but yeah. but we know they, they can't be because of they're focusing on different things and how and we define police, a community guard yeah so how we police our cities needs to be very different in terms of the so a community guard is not somebody helping somebody across the road no, it's no. getting into youth clubs it's getting into community centers it's building relationships with young people so young people who may be easily triggered by authority it's about getting them to build a relationship with somebody and respecting authority and it's about the people in authority respecting the young people. And it's about that, you know, um, exchange of information and ideas and doing things together. Like the Gardaí should be part of the community. They shouldn't just be policing a community. And under the Mulvey process, that was happening. There was huge community garden um, processes going on in the NEIC. And what but happened? I don't know. All the, all the funding that went into it, I mean, it's still, it's still ongoing. You have the task force in there under the Taoiseach's office. So I don't know what's happened. The numbers have fallen. In the time when I was in there, we were promised that wouldn't happen. So when I heard the numbers had fallen, I, I was pretty shocked. And I know some of my colleagues who still work in the area are not happy at all because all of that brilliant work that happened, one of the things that did happen, and I will finish on this, is that the community guards that did great job in there got promoted oh, okay. and that meant that they had to move so in order to get promoted you cannot stay as a community guard and that's a fundamental flaw in the way people get uh uh, promotions within Angarda Shigani. Yeah, from, from what we're hearing tonight, it, there is a sense that this, you know, John, that there needs to be kind of an overhaul of where the priorities are within the force with the resources that 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 Gardaí have. Yeah, that, that's obviously one issue. Um, uh, policing. Well, I would want, I'd want to I, I emphasise that policing is not the full answer. And anyone that thinks it is, it it's just has proved in the past it's not. Uh, for, uh, uh, very important issue that's not been mentioned at all. I still want to keep focusing on young people because while there are many other issues, and that's one of the dangers now, that we divert all over the place, and we have 20 different issues about shoplifting and about this type of thing, and we're forgetting about, at the core of what we're really here tonight about, as young people carrying out vicious assaults on innocent people. And, and one of the big challenges, in, as from my experience, is to those young people, is they have absolutely no connection with anybody. They, ha they have no interest. I mean, there's a huge amount of resources put into North Inner City, by the way. Millions of resources. So what's and, happening? And there's a core group of young people being, being uh, maybe groomed by older, uh, more experienced criminals. But these young people have no connection. They have no social connection, often very little parental uh, uh, supervision. And the reality is that they have no respect or no uh, interest in any activity. You can offer them whatever you like, and their answer is get lost. 
my life in, involved in criminality and this type of thing is a way more exciting life. And this is where the buzz is. And it's, it's connected indirectly to drugs as well. And the Tarnished a couple of months ago hit out at this idea of this new propaganda about so, you know, recreational drugs as if you know, we go out on a Friday night and we have a recreation drug and everything. And, and he was making that point that you see all this type of stuff is all part of these young lads scene. Why? Well, this is where I get my money. I can go into the most expensive shop. I can get the most, the most modern clothes, the most modern footwear. And I don't have to do anything. And, and while we have that culture, I'm afraid we'll have many, many more assaults. So we need to connect with young people. Yeah, but and I mean, how you, you say that then, no matter what's on offer, they're not interested because there's something better and it comes in the form of money from drugs and, you know, older gangs. They're crimes. They're crimes. And there. crimes, yeah. But they're crimes. And this is our point. And this is so, the point of many So what of reforms then work? Or there what, are what is it? consequences for crime. There has to be consequences. So it's not acceptable that you, you dismiss every offer that you're made, every op over op uh, op opportunity you're given, and we continue on. No, no, you're involved in criminality. Even though you're only 14, assaulting people is a very serious criminal offence, and there has to be consequences. And one of the consequences might be you have a period of detention or you involve yourself in some proper activity. That, and, and these are the choices. And if you don't, you, you, you pay a price. We have to get tougher on, on violence in particular. And we have to have a zero tolerance of violence. End of story. Yeah, interesting you mentioned zero tolerance there, Jack. It brings us back to what I suppose that, that what they attempted, what they did and did successfully in New York with this idea of zero tolerance and it was a whole city approach. Um, is something like that a broader, wider campaign needed like that for the city of Dublin? Well, I think the community safety partnerships, which Minister McEntee has established, which is a partnership between um, community um, businesses and, uh, and and everyone within and the council within the city, will play a key role in terms of developing that planned response. Uh, like I, I think there should be zero tolerance, and there can be no tolerance for assaults, criminal activity, intimidation, and, and and people who have that sense of fear within our communities. And that's why we need to have a very strong, robust response from Angarda Siakana and, and I welcome the fact that we've deployment. What I would say in agreement with what John is saying as well, I think a key role is, and we have tried to strengthen this, Minister James Brown, with the youth diversion programmes, which are evidence-based, which uh, where people are at risk uh, of engaging in criminal activity between the ages of 12 and 17, uh, trying to educate them with Gardaí and other key people in their community, building that sense of civic yes. responsibility, yep. um, of, uh, you know, a pathway to actual employment. So there's groups like that. There's a group called Akela that, that, that yeah. operates right around the country with volunteers that, that provide mentors to people and divert them away from crime mm. and, and, you know, into other activities that John is talking and keeping people on the straight and narrow. But they're, they're short on funding and they're very reliant on funding and they're made up of volunteers. So, I mean, there's, so how can there's we yield 30, results well, and really strong results from that if well, we're not putting the money in there? Well, it, the, the allocation increased by two and a half million year on year, 30 million euro um, being invested in youth diversion programmes uh, this year. So there is investment. I'm sure there's opportunities for further investment in youth diversion programmes and that'll be something that we will have to scale up and uh, there is a youth justice plan uh, to do that. And they work they're evidence-based and they do divert people away from a life of crime and criminal activity um, and uh, enhance better civic responsibility. Uh, and that works. OK, so, I, I mean, it's a, it seems to me a mix of, you know, short term, uh, Duncan, in terms of getting, you know, more, more Gardaí on the beat, something that would give a perception of, of safety. Um, but longer term, does there need to be, you know, a, a broader approach and something that's actually 
that, that actually gets to the root of the problem yeah, like here. Because you can plough all the yeah, money in, and we but can't I mean, just if it's talk, not focused or in the right place. Yeah, exactly. We can't just talk about this every time or any time a serious incident mm. happens. Because incidents happen every day across our city mm. in terms of crime and assaults and, and robberies. Uh, so we do need to, to get our city back and make it feel safe again. And it does require more guardy. It requires more intelligent guardy. It requires more community guardy. And that's why, just to get back to that point, if you have good community guardy, they're able to then take the young children who aren't going to be the hardened criminals, John, and, and put them towards school completion officers or put them towards the mental health, youth mental health services or, or diversion programs or whatever it may be. And then take the ones that are hell bent and the, the guards will know it and people in, in, in John's life experience will know it who are set on a life of crime and ensure that the system comes down hard on them. Because working class communities in our city are being torn apart by, 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 by these people who are performing acts of real violent crime. And we could have zero tolerance, but we need to have a wider approach to ensure that those that are being caught up in that, that can go another way, are being captured by the system and are being guided out of it. And that's going to require a multi-annual commitment uh, of funding, of effort to, to, to ensure that Dublin becomes the city that we all want it to be, the city that we love and that we feel safe on Talbot Street now, or any street if in I, our city. Uh, you, know, you know, I asked Jack that and, and you know, the, the response is that there is an awful lot of money going Well, there is a youth there. justice plan. And, and it's there something, is a plan. But, but we, need, we, need to, we need to strengthen that. Um, and what does again, that mean? Well, it means, it means that we have a youth justice plan. We've 30 million euro going into uh, youth diversion programmes and similar youth justice initiatives. But it is about scaling up the response of those and, 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 they, ma and they make a difference. Okay. Scaling it up, John. dimension to it as well. I remember we're talking quite often about 13, 14, 15 year olds. They're children. They are also the responsibility of TUSLA uh, under a child uh, safety and protection area. And what role are they playing? And when do they intervene? Because these young guys don't appear on the streets out of the blue. There's a process that takes place. And surely that, that this, that's another element of the state that is found uh, you know, yeah. to be ineffective as well. It's Trina. the Tushla responsibility, which is around the safety of children and families. Yeah, Trina, uh, very clearly challenges faced in families as well. Because yeah. at community level, you, know, you will get groups like Lakela that I mentioned before who are working with parents yeah. Um, to, to try and, and help them navigate a way out of this with, with their children. Yeah, and, and we do have a lot of families in crisis because of poverty, because of poor housing, you have overcrowding in a lot of areas. And I suppose realistically, we don't see children who have all their needs met at home coming out onto the streets, taking drugs and being involved in violent activity. So therefore, we know there's something going on for these young people. So they're giving us a message, I'm in pain and I'm going to watch the world burn. So we, as the adults, need to safeguard these young people because the dilution of personal responsibility when they act as gangs is when we get dangerous events like what happened to that um, poor tourist, Stephen. So, so that's where we need to be taking responsibility and looking at. But in terms of the, the funding that's being put in, it is never multi-annual. And that's a real issue mm -hmm. for getting staff. Why would anybody work in this really difficult job and not know every December whether they're going to have a job? People that work in this area need to know that they're going to have a job. And in Scotland, they put huge funding into the Violence Reduction Unit. It was very successful, but it was funded on a multi-annual basis. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We can take that model. Okay, there we will leave it. My thanks to my panel tonight. Up next, the big blue bird is no more. Elon Musk changes Twitter's logo to a big X. Why? We'll try and find out after the break.
Welcome back. Well, Elon Musk has made many, many changes in his short time in charge of Twitter. And this morning he unveiled one he hopes has the X factor. The iconic bluebird is no more. Twitter's logo has been rebranded as the letter X. The new owner said that soon tweets will be known as X's. I'm joined by tech journalist Elaine Burke. Um, you would say, Elaine, um, welcome to the programme, that this is a, a gimmick as such, another a t a headline grabber for Elon Musk, but it's a massive brand change from the brand that we've all known for years, the blue bird being a kind of cutesy symbol almost for a social media platform in a way and engaging in conversation with tweets. But now this, this X, there's something quite ominous about it, isn't it? And, and it, it's quite stark and a big change for the company. Yeah, and I mean, that Twitter brand, I mean, it, it is everywhere it's on on most websites they'll have the little icon of the bird to symbolize that that's a link to their twitter page so there's a lot of uh, web developers and web managers i'm sure today in a sweat because are they going to update to this new apparently temporary logo or wait until this blows over and maybe rolls back or rolls forward with a new uh, name, new service. So who knows what's going to happen uh, under the auspices of Elon Musk. But uh, X is actually a brand that he has been quite fond of for a really long time. His first company was X.com, which he sold to PayPal. And that's where he uh, kind of made his first fortune in Silicon Valley. It was one of these uh, PayPal co-founders. Um, and he rebought that domain from uh, PayPal in, I think, 2017. And he's wanted to do something with it ever since, it seems. And back in 2022, before he was even thinking of buying Twitter, that we know of. He was talking about building a super app called X that would do everything, not just social media like what Twitter does, but have payments involved, which is his background, what X.com and PayPal, which would have some sort of a marketplace and all different kinds of things plugging in. But super apps aren't really a thing in the US and European markets. They are a thing in China. The most famous one is WeChat, which we would probably know as kind of a copy of WhatsApp or similar to WhatsApp, but it actually does a lot more than that. There's payment systems built in, there's a marketplace. Um, there's also uh, apps in Southeast Asia where there's a lot of unbanked people. A lot of these super apps tend to have payments infrastructure inbuilt and they're very popular with unbanked populations. None of that really holds for a US EU market and Elon Musk okay. particularly seems focused on the US market. I guess the, the question is, what's the reaction been to this big change of, well, what was it, an iconic brand as such? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we say tweets, we say like uh, we have a whole language that we've built up around Twitter um, and calling them X's. I really don't see how, how that's going to fly. It's just it's just a bad rebrand. It's not being rolled out very slickly either. Like but there must be a strategy behind it, as in he wants to make Twitter more more profitable. I mean, that was that was something he came in and saying, look, I need, I need to change things around, start charging for blue ticks and to be verified and all this sort of thing. Is this part of a strategy to make him more money? Well, he needs to make money. They've dropped about 50% in their advertising revenue and uh, advertisers are probably not going to come back while the platform is so unstable. And creating a, a rebrand in this way where it seems to have kind of happened overnight, if there was a strategy behind it, it's not very evident from the outside. This doesn't look like brand stability. This doesn't look like consistency, which are things that advertisers that want to spend a lot of money with platforms would look for uh, in terms of trust and, and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, uh, I just don't see how 
this can actually continue to be the Twitter that we know and love because he's trying to pivot, it looks like. He's trying to bring in new money-making ideas that will be beyond social media. Maybe he's going to introduce marketplaces and payments technologies and things like that. And that's just not what this site was about to begin with. Yeah, interesting because a lot of this is about playing sort of catch up, I suppose, with the likes of the popularity around, you know, Instagram, but TikTok as well in particular. Um, they are also creating a new platform now to rival Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it and to really put it up to them. This is really interesting. So it does seem a bit like there's a bit of a race going on and maybe people are putting out products and features uh, to just kind of uh, capitalize on what's going on with other platforms. So we saw what happened with Mark Zuckerberg releasing threads what we suspect is early, they're earlier than planned because Twitter was going through eruptions after it introduced a, t a rate limit for users. And now we have TikTok introducing text-led posts, which is something that TikTok's not known for. TikTok is a very video-led platform. But what we find is across social media platforms is you kind of get these different flavors and different vibes based on the content that's there. TikTok is short form video and it's really well-crafted around that. Instagram's trying to steal that with Reels, but Instagram is still very photo-led and image-led. Twitter's text-led, and people are trying to get a slice of this text-led pie. And is there, I mean, is there room for all of this? Is, do we come to a point that we say, do you know what, I, the, I, social, social media platforms, they are, they are everywhere, and more and more then they're all trying to do the same thing, but in their own way. Does think, that work? I think what happens is they, they, want, they all want each other's users, not realizing that, what those users want is the unique things that that platform gives them, the unique vibe of that platform. So an Instagram power user is not necessarily going to be a Twitter power user. They, they may have very different flavors of content creation going on there. And that's why you see content creators uh, will have prowess on particular platforms most commonly and maybe delve into the other ones, have an, a presence there, but they'll usually have a primary that they focus on. The leaders of these companies don't seem to think that way, the way the users are. But I think users' personalities and their tastes and stuff like that actually weigh a lot here. Okay, and I can't see it immediately on the mobile app, but it is it is being rolled out uh, everywhere. So soon it will exist across all uh, all platforms and all devices. Um, we'll leave it there. You can X away or tweet away or do whatever else. My thanks to Elaine um, and to all our panel tonight. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also find us on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, but from all the late team here, good night and do take care. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.